make a film, you focus on the genre and the ability to sell. It's kind of like building a house on spec. And we will be able to take ownership of our health and own it in a bigger way than we have historically. It's what your values are. It's what your beliefs are. It's the things that are said about you when you're not in the room. That's your personal brand. I'm Richard Gerhardt. And I'm Elizabeth Gerhardt. Welcome to Passage to Profit, the show that's all about entrepreneurs, small businesses, and sometimes celebrities too. We just heard a few little snippets from the people that are going to be on the show tonight. Stay tuned and hear the rest. You're going to love these guys. Want to patent your invention? The chance is near. You've given it heart. Now get it in gear. It's Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Well, celebrities are the ultimate entrepreneur. I think that's right. And we're going to be hearing from one tonight. Our guest this evening is Kevin Interdonato. He's been on The Sopranos, Law & Order, CSI New York, and most recently is appearing on the Showtime series, City on a Hill. Wow. And we have two presenters. I'm so excited to hear what they have. So Delia Vallejo has Empower DX Lab. Do you want to see how your health looks in like actual test results, a home testing kit? So very excited about this. She has those for you. And then someone that I just adore, Chris Baglio. This guy has his branding agency, but he knows things before anybody else. So. <laughs> He's got branding premonition. <laughs> so stay tuned. It's going to be a great show. But before that, let's go to IP in the news, right? So we've got two topics tonight, one about design patents and the other about Andrew Davis. Trademarks. So, trademarks. So, so what should we do first? Why don't you do the design patent one? All right, I'll do that. So everybody knows what a design patent is, right? Right, of course, no. So normally when we think about patents, we think about these big lengthy legal documents that have drawings and then sort of an essay after that. And they're legal documents that protect a lot of different variations on and an invention. Design patents are different. Design patents are just drawings that are submitted to the patent office and they protect the ornamental features. That is the way something looks. Like the phone. Like the phone, right. And so Oliver Wainwright of uh, Guardian Online wrote a book review about a new book out called Patented, 1000 Design Patents. And what the author did was he went through all of the different designs since the beginning of design process in the 1880s to just to show how technology and design has changed over a long period of time. So one of the things he talks about is, for example, how fast food restaurants get design patents on their shape so that if you're driving, you can see a Pizza Hut or a McDonald's, then they have a very recognizable look to them. And all of this is part of protecting your strategies. And your brand, which Chris is right. a branding person. Absolutely. And so there's a lot of different creative ways you can protect your brand using design patents. And it really became a popular legal strategy after the Samsung versus Apple case, where they were fighting over the way cell phones look. And so Samsung ended up winning $539 million. And all of a sudden, everybody got very excited about using design patents. So how many patents are there for a phone? Can you read this quote from the article? I'm glad you asked because Florian Mueller says that the number of patents in a phone is so huge that nobody's ever been able to count them all. So <laughs> that's great for our business. And so we want to encourage technology developments like that for okay. sure. Well, I'm not going to start counting them. So their design patents are worth over $500 million. So even though it's not this huge patent and not super expensive, the ROI on it can be tremendous. It can be really right. tremendous. And the companies file these patents. So if Apple sues Samsung, then Samsung can sue Apple back on their set of patents. So, <laughs> so the lawyers make out. <laughs> so anyway, okay. Well, I want to go on to this trademark one because I love this. Some of you will know Anthony Davis, who was the first overall pick in the 2012 NBA draft. Right. He has a unibrow. Right. And he's very proud of his unibrow. Yes. So he trademarked fear uh, the brow mm -hmm. <laughs> I love that, and raise the brow. And his quote was, I don't want anyone to try to grow a unibrow because of me <laughs> and try, try to make money off it. <laughs> You know, I'm glad to hear that because unibrow was on my next list of, <laughs> of, uh, to do. of so, yeah, so, I was going to get some hair transplant or something, but, right. uh, you know, maybe now I'll just uh, 
focus on something else. But so I found this online from Bleach Report by Laura Depta, ridiculous sports trademarks. So if you want to see more, but I thought that was by far and away the funniest one. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty hilarious. And so now it's time for Richard's Roundtable. And we're going to go and talk with our guests and ask them if they have any questions about intellectual property in general, or if they have any comments on the articles they just heard. So why don't we start with Kevin, Kevin uh, Interdonato. Thank you for being here, Kevin. And we were just wondering if you had any thoughts about what you just heard. I think I was, I was laughing a little too hard to focus on thinking of any questions when you started talking about the, the unibrow thing. Um, <laughs> How can he make money on that, just in general? Was that a move to make money or was it a move to make a statement? Those are great questions and only Anthony really knows, but um, <laughs> I would say- I would say branded merchandise. Kenya, what do you think? Yeah. I'm not a unibrow expert. Um, <laughs> <laughs> however, I mean, I, you know, I think probably a tactic would maybe to build, be building up some brand visibility. I'm just, I was having a hard time, like, figuring out how you would monetize something like this unless you know you're really trying to speak to that niche market with people who you know are in the unibrow market <laughs> and where does one go to get a unibrow anyway? right <laughs> <laughs> so well that's a really good point and uh, you know lots of times celebrities they just like to get trademarks on goofy things because the couple hundred dollars that they spend on the trademark is worth the publicity of just couple being able to, well I like can find it and then say, I've yeah. got, you know, so who knows what was in his mind. Uh, I wouldn't be fooling around with that guy anyway. He looks pretty well enough. So if he challenged my unibrow, I'd probably get, I'd probably back down, you know. I love it though, because you know what? Unibrows, like, especially for women, have been like, hey, you got a unibrow. I love that he's like taking it and, and owning it. That's a new trademark. Own your unibrow. <laughs> That was a good question, Kevin. Very good. Delia, what is your thought on all of this? Well, I was just thinking about how people were talking about his unibrow anyway. And so he just took those conversations and created a way for them to be positive. And I think that's great because typically, you know, something like that is negative and he is deciding for it to be a positive thing. And I love that. And I think it's a good example for kids and anybody else who may be self-conscious about a physical feature, right? Where it's like, no, it's, it's me. It's who I am. I'm proud of it. And by the way, now I have a trademark for it. I'll make money on it. So I, I just think it's a fabulous example of that. That's a really positive way to look with that. I can't argue with that at all. And so know? now for our other branding person, Chris, what do you think? I think it's awesome. I mean, it's, it's a great way to do it. It's very smart. And once again, as we've already said a few times is the PR value of it is great. Cause look at it, we're talking about it and mm -hmm. uh, we're having a little discussion about it. So, and this is a very positive thing. And like, do you say, it's a good reflection on embracing who you are and being really comfortable with being authentic and why not really own that and that's exactly what he's doing so yeah I kudos agree. i love I, it i love I, the move I, I love it too you're listening to passage to profit the inventor show on wor 710 the voice of new york right back after this what are entrepreneurs most valuable assets their passion and ideas we can't protect your passion but we can protect your ideas trust gearheart law to protect your ideas with premier patent trademark and copyright services there's never been a better time to start your own business contact us at gearheartlaw.com at gearheart law we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs ideas and brands using patent trademark and copyright protection so if you have a new consumer product a new software application that you're planning to build or sell or a brand or company name that you want to protect contact the experts at gearheart law www.gearheartlaw.com don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business all of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the united states patent and trademark office don't start your project without calling us first contact gearheart law on the web at g-e-a-r-h-a-r-t-l-a-w.com together we can change the world this ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson now back to passage to profit once again richard and elizabeth gearheart our guest this evening is kevin introdonato he's an actor writer, producer, and Iraqi combat.
combat veteran. And so he's been on The Sopranos, Law & Order, CSI New York, and most recently he's been appearing in the Showtime series, City on a Hill. Most notably, he has also faced some pretty challenging situations that have arisen from PTSD and also from cancer. Kevin somehow fought his way through this to overcome these challenges through acting and inspiring others along the way. Kevin, first of all, thank you for your, your service and thank you too for being an example of somebody who just simply doesn't give up. We're really proud to have you here on the show. Tell us a little bit about some of the challenges that you faced coming back from the Iraq war. Challenges coming back from the war, I guess it's different for everyone. Um, for me personally, it was um, finding out who I was again and fitting back in and understanding that I was just a different person than I was before I left and not trying to go back to that, that guy anymore. That was the biggest one. Was there a sense of loss with that? I mean, the new Kevin versus the old Kevin. Was there a certain amount of acceptance that had to go with that? Yeah, a lot of acceptance. There's many moments where you refuse to accept who this new person is. Everyone has different experiences, not to get too heavy with it, but uh, compounded traumatic events over and over and over again takes its toll, does something to you. And it, you can't just shake it off. So understanding it and doing the best you can to put your best foot forward to move, move on is, is the only way. And so how did that experience inform your acting? I think it changed my life more than my work. It changed me as a person. Being an actor is all about uh, growing and, and realizing new experiences, understanding them, using them. So to actually use things that happened over there, to be honest, I try to stay away from that. It's not very healthy for me. But uh, it did change me as a person, the outlook on life, and definitely instilled in me much more of a burning desire to continue with my efforts creatively. Well, it, it's pretty amazing that you could come back from all that and have such a successful career as you do now. I'm just curious. So you were in acting and then you went to war and then you came back and after a while resumed your acting career and you've just done really, really well. So your movie, Bad Frank, which was an indie movie. So congratulations on that. Won a number of awards. Did that help catapult your career? How did that process work for you? Because it's like being an entrepreneur and doing a bunch of different entrepreneurial projects, but not everyone gets to be that successful. So how did you do that? It really is like being an entrepreneur. There's this term going out now called an actrepreneur. I, I just heard it the other day. And uh, it's for actors that are also creating and, and doing work because you're putting just as much energy into your acting career as you are making a film. And you want to make sure it's successful. A lot of people just make film because there's a lack of work and you have to know what you're doing. It's essentially you make an LLC for every movie and you're starting a business and you're heading it. So it goes beyond just the movie. It's understanding creatively and productively how to execute it. So you mentioned before the show that you worked in construction and that you saw some connections yeah. between the construction process yeah. and the movie making process. <laughs> uh, briefly, when you make a film, you, you, you focus on the genre and the ability to sell. It's kind of like building a house on spec. Uh, you focus on where you're going to build the house, your land. So we'll call that the genre mm -hmm. and the type of house you're going to build. So the sellability of a movie is kind of who's in it for the most part. The sellability of a house is how many bedrooms, how many baths. So there's that equation. And then also, what are the houses selling for in that area? When you make a movie, you have to kind of have a ballpark what you're realistically going to hopefully make on that movie. Because if you make a house and you build it for 500000 and you sell it for 500000 then it's a wash. Same thing in the movie. You get $500,000 worth of investments. If it sells for 500000 why bother? So you want to make the house for as little money as possible while still keeping the value of it. And you want to make a movie for as small money as possible and still keep the creative integrity. And at the end of the day, it's going to make what it makes. So why make a movie for 500000 if it's going to make 500000 You'd rather make it for two fifty, so it makes it 500 if that makes sense. Absolutely. I always thought of the movie business as a money-making venture, but never really thought about it in sort of looking backwards as yeah. opposed to... I've got a script, I'm going to get these actors, we're going to put it out there and make a lot of money. It's really kind of a study of the market first. It is. It's very interesting. And a lot of independent filmmakers take on the burden of making a film and they make up the rules as they go. And they think because they're doing this independent that they can do what they want. And the fact of the matter is there's a system in place from the studio system that's been there for a very long time because it works. 
And if you deviate away from that system, you're really just going into new waters and you're taking a chance. And personally, I couldn't do that if I was going to make a film. Being an actor, I know the business too much. And I couldn't take investments from someone and just do what I want to do and not follow the system, which is what a lot of people do. And that's why you hear like, oh, movies are bad investments. No, they're quite good investments uh, if you have the right person behind it. Just like anything else, you know, if someone's starting a wants to open up a pizza place and they make the best pizza in the world, but they have zero mind for marketing and don't even care about it. So that pizza is just going to be good pizza somewhere. No one will ever know. And it kind of equates to a film. So Kenya, what are your thoughts? Well, first and foremost, I can't believe I'm talking to Dogsy from the Sopranos. (laughs) (laughs) I was a big Sopranos fan. So I I love that whole entire series. Richard asked the very good question about, you know, your acting experience and Mm -hmm. I just was curious to find out, like acting is art. Would you say that acting has aided your personal perseverance in any way? Because I feel like it's all about visualization. It's all about putting yourself in character. And a lot of tenacity and perseverance comes from that skill. So would you say that's uh, helped you in any way? Undoubtedly, yeah. You know, being an actor, it's a constant urge for knowledge, whether it's self-knowledge or the type of person you're going to be playing and just knowledge of the industry you're in, everything. So it keeps you sharp and it keeps you motivated to consistently move forward in any uh, capacity. Hey, can I ask you about Bad Frank, one question that we've discussed before. You've got a lot of good reviews and you got a lot of awards, but you got one bad review. It's a nature of the beast because you put yourself out there, especially in this industry. So with Bad Frank particularly, it was a drama thriller. And one of the platforms that took it was Redbox and they put it into the horror genre. It got smashed. I would have smashed it too. If I was looking for a horror movie that night, I went to rent a horror movie and I just saw me, you know, going through what I was going through and whatever other situations I would have been like, this is horrible. So I don't blame them. But as far as reviews and whatnot, nature of the beast, it's how it goes. You're not going to please everyone. Not everyone is the type of person that should see your movie and it is what it is. You just hope it resonates with the masses for the most part. But I really like the lesson that comes from that. So it's the same movie. It's just presented in a different spot on the movie guide. And that changes everything. And there's a lot of distributors that make those choices. It's not the filmmaker's choice. They put it out to a lot of people think, why isn't your movie on Netflix or why isn't it on Amazon? And you're like, I don't know. Uh, You know, it's up to the distributor to do their job. So as an actor, when I work on films, what I've done in the past is make relationships with these distributors, good ones that have taken films that I've done. And when I do a a play a lead or something in in an independent film, I offer those relationships up because I know how hard it is to sell a movie and to go through something like that, Frank, if a distributor takes it and it may go this way or may go that way. So if I'm going to put all my energy as an actor entrepreneur, not filming, but if I can do anything to help control my career, then I will and benefit the movie as a whole. So I open up my Rolodex of distribution companies, good ones to help sell the film. There's always a method to the madness. The actor that achieves a certain level for the most part, he or she knows what they're doing and they are crafting a career. I think this is just so interesting. The whole actorpreneur opportunities that are out there. What advice would you give to someone who is up and coming in the business right now in this day and age? I mean, I feel like 2021 is a very interesting year for everybody and I'm sure a lot of things have changed. So what would be the best advice you would give to someone who was looking to tap into the industry or start to add the entrepreneur piece to their portfolio? I would say to that person, if you are not prepared to challenge yourself in every way, shape or form, because now you're not only taking on the the life of an actor and the rejection of an actor, but the life of a filmmaker with its own challenges, its own set of rules. And if you are not prepared for the long haul or don't want to have a long fight and have the endurance, don't do it because you're just going to waste your own time being an actor and you're going to waste someone else's money being a filmmaker. If that person is driven, has reached around, done a couple of things in their life and like, this is it, kind of like I did, then I tell the person to hit me up and I'll give them the best advice I could possibly give as they go. Because everyone's at a different level. So to throw something at someone too early in the game, it's a lot. You know, I've been in this business 20 years. It's hard to sum up all that knowledge, all the, everything I learned into a, a statement. But I'd be more than willing to throw someone advice if they wanted to pick my brain a little bit. So I want to ask you about your upcoming series, City on a Hill. I saw some clips. So this is funny because, okay, so we're old. You all know that, right? So I, when I think of Kevin Bacon, I think of this young guy, like, dancing around the <laughs> footloose. Right. And he is, like, this bad, like, 
hardcore guy, FBI agent, right? Yeah, yeah. He's he's a super chill guy, super chill guy. And uh, he directed the first episode. He's wonderful to work with. And Aldous is great, uh, the filmmakers. Chuck McLean created the show. Uh, he's the one that Ben Affleck reached out to to write the series. And um, Chuck's a big reason why I'm in it. It's very interesting knowing the actors and seeing them. And I'm sure maybe people say that about me too. I, I don't know. And then getting on screen, it's a good time. So what attracted you to that series? Did it just kind of fit? Because you you do like in Bad Frank, you go so intense. Like, I'm like, whoa, I do not want to get this guy mad at me. <laughs> so it's kind of that hardcore gritty. And it's in Boston. Is that what the attraction yeah, is? Yeah, it is. And you know something? Kenya, if you want to throw something at an actor, friend or whatnot, that kind of makes a point right there. These are the roles I get. I think I'm a nice guy. Then I get cast for these roles and I'm like, really? But this is what I get. Some people look at it as typecasting. I think typecasting is the best thing possible for an actor because it gives you an in. You need the in. City on a Hill. Ironically enough, my wife is on, we're on season two now. My wife is a series regular on season one. She plays Kathy Ryan. She's amazing. Oh, wow. And I randomly auditioned for the show and I got the role. And a lot of people didn't know we were married, but we're working on the same show. Oh, so what's it like to work with someone you're married to? We work together all the time. Um, you know, auditions these days, especially because of COVID, everything is going on tape, which is really video on your phone. So we have a setup here in our basement, and this is how we audition for TV and movies and, you know, direct behind the camera and vice versa. And we work together all the time. And it's great. That's well, that's great. wonderful. So yeah. didn't something happen with her character at the end of season one? End of season one, yeah, her husband went to jail. But only pretend you stayed out of jail. <laughs> <laughs> I stayed out of jail. I'm a cop in a series. I I'm a different storyline. And then uh, her character takes a big twist this year. Yeah. How do you get over the weirdness of seeing your wife play a character like where she's married to somebody else? And you're like, because I feel like my husband wouldn't handle that well. But like you're a professional. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> you know it helps if i like the guy i'm not gonna lie uh, i'm not gonna sugarcoat anything if i think the guy's a jerk you know she's gonna know it and it is what it is but i won't put that weight on her where she's you know i would never do that and she's a very strong-minded woman my wife and she can handle her own and yeah we are professionals but it does help and vice versa, if I was with a woman on screen and whatnot, and she wasn't crazy about her, I, I'd know it. <laughs> I would know it, you know. So unfortunately, we have to take a break. Kevin can be found at on your TV screen for <laughs> yeah, one place. Right? Uh, he's on Instagram at the Kevin Intro. Is that right? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Or you can find it on IMDb if you just type in his name. Kevin, I hope you can stick around for a little bit. And uh, I definitely yeah. will. I definitely right, will. Thanks, guys. Great. So we'll be right back after this. Hi. I'm Lisa Askley, the inventress, founder, CEO, and president of Inventing A to Z. I've been inventing products for over 38 years, hundreds of products later, and dozens of patents. I help people develop products and put them on the market from concept to fruition. I bring them to some of the top shopping networks in the world, QVC, HSN, Evine Live, and retail stores. Have you ever said to yourself, someone should invent that thing? Well, I say, why not? make it you. If you want to know how to develop a product from concept to fruition the right way, contact me, Lisa Askeles, the inventress. Go to inventingatoz.com, inventingatoz.com. Email me, lisa at inventingatoz.com. Treat yourself to a day chock full of networking, education, music, shopping, and fun. Go to my website, inventingatoz.com. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Now it is time for Power Moves. So Kenya. We are going to be talking about Nas. So he's $100 million richer today because he was an early investor in Coinbase, which is a cryptocurrency exchange platform, and it's expected to be valued at $100 billion. So he got into the game super early back in like 2013, where he was able to raise about $25 million for them in round B funding. And today he's a hundred 
million dollars richer. And he's also a backer of Robin Hood, Lyft, and Dropbox. So he's not doing bad for a rapper from Queens. No. My advice is to sell. My advice is to buy what that guy's buying. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah, So, yeah, if you could get any uh, inside knowledge there. No, that's great. A hundred million dollars. What would we do with a hundred million dollars? Oh, I'd have it spent soon. (laughs) No problem. We've already spent our first hundred million, so. But that just goes to show, like, if you can really figure these things out and be smart and wise about what you're doing, put in the work as a normal person, you could become really wealthy. What I love about him is that, you know, he took what he was doing in music and he reinvested that money into something that's making him, you know, a fortune for the long term, right? So it wasn't about icy chains for him or luxurious things. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but he's actually done very well with the resources that he's made from the music industry, which is not always the case. That's kind of unusual. I mean, you hear of so many artists just getting ripped off. But kudos to him for being a solid business person. And Fireside, what's new on Fireside? Yes. So for those of you who don't know, Fireside is my own little startup. And what I'm doing is interviewing small business owners to make a directory. So it's actually Fireside Directory. So it's a video directory of small business owners. And I want to be the Wikipedia small business owners by video. I recently met somebody that has a lot of videos. So I'm hoping I don't have to do all the interviews myself. <laughs> so, but I really want to have a directory site for small business owners. And Chris is on there. So thanks, Chris. So it's a YouTube channel and a website. I'm building it right now. It's still a startup, but it continues to build. And I continue to just get word of mouth referrals for people to do interviews with. And I'm having a lot of fun with it. So you've interviewed people from all over the world, right? I have. I get a lot from Canada. I've gotten somebody from England, but I am getting people from all over. A lot of people from the West Coast, even though we're on the East Coast. So being able to do things over Zoom has really changed the whole landscape for video and this kind of thing. So that's great. So who do we have as our first presenter? Oh, I think this is so cool. So, you know, I'm a chemist at heart. That's what my degree was in, but um, Delia Vallejo, for all the do-it-yourselfers who are interested in their health, Delia has the most amazing products. So welcome. Yes, our business is Empower DX Lab, and it is uh, an online shop for self-collected diagnostic testing. We have three tests that are live now, uh, and our top seller is a, a COVID test that you take at home and it allows you to avoid urgent care or any long drive-through lines. You order it online and you get it at home. You do a very simple nasal swab, painless, uh, send it to our lab, all packaged for you. And then you get results online. It is the perfect test for travel. For example, if you need to have a negative PCR test to travel, uh, but we're launching a full assortment of testing uh, in the coming months, and um, and it's the same idea: you test at home, you send it to our lab, and you get results online. How long does it take to get the COVID test results? So it is uh, sent to you via Express uh, FedEx. So you order it, you get it the next day. If you send it that same day before your FedEx deadline, uh, you can get results the following day. So it is about a three day, you know, end to end process without having to leave your home. Excellent. This is really exciting. You know, that's so cumbersome to make a trip to a doctor's office for some tests that are, you know, routine or something you just want to self-inform yourself. What are some of the other tests that you plan to launch, you know, in the near future? All kinds of vitamin and uh, micronutrient testing. So uh, vitamin D, for example, is a, a key vitamin for your immunity. And COVID has been a, a shining light on vitamin D and the importance of vitamin D. So that is something that you can test for and understand if your supplements are working or not, or even if you need supplements. So it is a very accessible test for you, but really a full assortment of testing. So all of the tests that your doctor would normally order for you, most of that you'll be able to find on our site. Excellent. Kevin, do you have a question or comment? Delia, and I'm like, wow, this is incredible. Kudos to you for starting that company up. Kevin, for your field in in acting, um, people are using our COVID test to release people like the production crews to be able to live and you live your life and make your living because you know, it, it allows you to get a, a kit at home and then you do your testing and then you're able to work because it's a very high sensitive test. It's a yeah. PCR test, which is the gold standard in COVID testing. That's remarkable. And I hope it's okay. I'd like to reach out to you on the, on the side, whether it's the website or whatnot, because I'm making another film later this year and COVID testing and making films and 
it's tough and it, it's through the roof expensive because the unions are demanding so much on it. So yeah, if I was able to, to have some of these tests at my disposal for the actors and the crew, it would be wonderful. Good for you. That's great. Yeah. Best of luck yeah. with it. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate Smart. it. Wow. That's yeah. a synergy that's a in action. So. Yeah. yeah. So Kenya, what do you think, Ken? Well, I love what you, you're doing and because I've been vitamin D deficient for a while and I learned about that right before COVID and was able to get tested. The only issue with getting retested is I only get one annual physical every year, right? right. So this is great because I can keep testing to make sure that my levels are there. Um, as far as a question, what's the difference between the nasal PCR test that you have on your site and then the worn mask COVID-19 test? That's a great question. Thank you, Kenya. And the point that you made about vitamin D is exactly right. It's, you know, you get one test maybe covered by insurance and maybe not. And then subsequent testing is hard to get and very, very expensive. So that's where our site would come in. Um, but with regards to the difference between the nasal PCR test and the worn mass test, the nasal PCR test is a diagnostic test. It is telling you whether you yourself are infected with COVID. The worn mass test is a more accessible, less expensive test that indicates that the virus is in your environment via your mask. So if you do test positive with the worn mask test, you then should get a proper nasal diagnostic test. The benefit of the worn mask test is that it's very easy for kids to use, like very small kids, and you know you can pool it with a full family. So it's just a less expensive way to do surveillance testing. So how much does the test cost? So the nasal PCR test is $99. And on our site, it is covered by insurance. So it could be for the vast majority of people, no cash outlay. We cover the insurance processing for you. And then the worn mask test is uh, $99 for four masks. And the vitamin D test is $59. Do you have investors helping you with this? Because this is a huge project, but a very, very important one. I think it's the future of medicine in a lot of ways. So how are you funding this? We are being funded by a very large lab company that is in the business of laboratory testing. And for them, we are a new channel of distribution. So they are looking to find new avenues of testing. And this is the incentive for them is to go directly to consumers. That is so creative. And that's very exciting. And, and needed. And needed. And I, yeah. I really hope that the medical industry can evolve to the point where a lot of the tests that you have to go to a physician for can be done online by consumers themselves because your regular blood tests are, for example, an important part of health. Well, so. And you want to know, like you don't want to wait a year, like mm -hmm. Kenya said, to know like how or just vitamin make, D. Or, or just or, like make an appointment just to go see a doctor for a vitamin D test. But I, mean, I, yeah, I think this really started with those DNA test kits, right? So it definitely did. They opened the door for people being comfortable with a notion of getting a kit at home, doing something with that kit and then sending it to a lab. So definitely they opened up the door. And I think that it's really the next frontier for diagnostic testing. And we will be able to take ownership of our health and own it in a bigger way than we have historically. This is excellent. So unfortunately, we have to wrap up this segment. Where can people find this again? EmpowerDXLab.com. So empower, like empowering yourself. Excellent. And thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. So listeners, you are listening to Passage to Profit, the Inventor Show on WOR 710, the voice of New York. If you have missed any of our show, it's been great. And you can find it on our podcast tomorrow on iHeart and on our YouTube channel. Stay tuned. Talk about seeing the future. Our next presenter is like, he tells me stuff. I'm like, how'd you find out about that? So stay tuned. We'll be right back. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The Opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit gearheartlaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now back to Passage to Profit. 
Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Our special guest, Kevin Interdonato. And we are now ready for our final presenter segment. A good friend, Chris Baglio, who every time I talk to him, he knows about something new that nobody else has ever heard about. And he helps Way you with your brand. Way to put him on the spot. Hey, so. it's some stuff he can't even talk about. It's so new and secret. <laughs> so welcome, Chris. Thank you so much. And wow, I am so excited. I, I did not realize the, the caliber of guests that we're going to be on the show today. So I am super honored. Thanks for having me. So I'm Chris Vaglio and I'm a CEO of Rocket Growth Agency. So I'm a personal branding coach and I work with creative business owners to help them build what I like to say a rock star brand so they can get noticed, feel more confident and bring in new clients. And my background before I started this company, which is relatively new, I'm about six months into this, is I was a co-founder of a video production agency called Gray Sky Films for over 20 years that I started with my business partner who uh, we met in college and literally started this company like right out of college. And, and we initially started doing videos in the music video industry, definitely made a couple indie films, which, you know, and, and uh, it did some short indie films, raised like some money to do it. And, but for the most part, uh, a lot of our career was based on doing a lot of corporate work, working with a lot of marketing and advertising agencies. So I learned a lot, not only about, you know, honing my craft and getting better as a video producer, editor, filmmaker, all that, but also learning a lot about marketing, branding along the way, and also running a business. I did not go to school for business at all, not a lick of business uh, education or background. I went to school for filmmaking. That's that's what I did. I was like, hey, I'm going to make movies. I'm going <laughs> to move to Hollywood or something, you know, and it's like, hey, you know, the, you know, I'm going to be like Kevin Smith and make like the next clerks or something like that. And uh, and then reality hits you. And and uh, but I was able to turn that into a career. And I, I did not think I would become a business owner. I mean, that was like sort of it went as fast as hey you want to start a, a, a video production company and make music videos for our friends bands yeah sure sounds like a good idea i got nothing else going on so that's how crazy guy films basically started and everything we learned about business was was literally trial by fire i mean it honestly was but good news is there is we were able to surround ourselves with a really great core of mentors and created a mastermind group of people very early on who helped us took us under their wing and showed us the way of doing business so I learned business by doing and through that through 20 years of building that company which I'm super proud of I finally came to a point for me personally where I said you know what I'm ready to do something else I feel like I've taken this as far as I can go so I made the conscious decision to exit the company, sold my shares to my business partner, and I started Rocket Growth Agency with the mission in mind of really helping as many people as possible to really help them harness their authenticity, their true self to be able to create business and get to achieve the goals and the happiness as to where they want to be. And so I leverage all my years of experience of being a business owner, being an entrepreneur, but really understanding what it means to have a very strong personal brand and how you can use that and leverage it. Chris, what is a personal brand? The big difference between a personal brand and sort of your company or corporate brand is one is, I think in the in the most easiest way to put this is one is your professional brand. So the company corporate brand, that's the way you're put out there as far as your corporate and company banner. Your personal brand is literally in the word right there, personal, it's who you are. It's what your values are. It's what your beliefs are. It's the things that are said about you when you're not in the room. That's your personal brand. And the reason why it is so important to have a strong personal brand, especially in business, or even if you're going out and you're looking for work, is because so much of corporate company branding is very much lost in the static. And even, you know, you yourself can get very much lost in the noise within your own network, within your own community. And having your personal brand embracing the things that make you you are the things that become more memorable. You know, it's easy to say, hey, I'm an accountant, I'm an accountant, I'm an accountant, and then I don't know why, but like latching onto those bits that, because you're more than just an accountant, those are the things that people remember. So when I was in a corporation, the last thing you wanted was a personal brand because they didn't really want people to stand out. They wanted people to stay in their lane and do what they're told. So. How do you help people create personal brands when they're in that kind of environment? The big part of that is what is it that that person wants to do? A lot of times, the thing that I get asked about the most is how do I stand out in my network, right? So I want to 
let's just take LinkedIn for instance, right? So let's just bring it down to LinkedIn, professional platform. But how do you stand out to your audience? So if your job is to bring in more business for your company or whatever it is you do, whether you're the owner or your employee, but you're tasked with bringing in more business, the way to do that is to really be able to engage your audience, the people who follow you. And that is very, very important. And most people now are very much responsible for bringing in the business into that company, regardless of what they're doing. They're tasked with business development. So, Kevin, do you have any comments or questions? Dude, you're an animal. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> no, look, man, you've done all this stuff, and sometimes you forget to take stock in what you've done. So I'm just throwing it out there, just like Delia. I mean, it's incredible what, you, what you've accomplished, man. It's wonderful. I got to ask you, business owner, built-in network, branding expert, when's your next movie? Like, What's going on? <laughs> I am working on a book so in the early stages because I've been wanting to write a book forever. And it's really based on like my experiences even before business, which I was very much involved in the underground music scene here in New Jersey, the punk, the hardcore, indie rock scene. Sure. And all those things, when I sit and think about it, were the foundation for what I then took to do business. That was like my version of business school. It was like punk rock business school. And so right. I think about, I, I really want to write a book that talks about those experiences and how it relates now to the things that I've learned and experienced and then maybe it'll help others. So I could definitely see that being a movie for sure. So Kenya, do you have a question? I do, I do. And I may have asked you this before, but I'm gonna ask you it again because I don't remember the answer. But what yeah. are the top three personal branding mistakes that people make? One is definitely not being yourself. Putting out a perceived version that you think people want to see, that's a big mistake because the thing is if people get to know you, they know that that's not you. And so you just come off at the end of the day as a phony and that's not what you want. So really that part is it. Another mistake is actually not even doing it. I mean, cause we all have choice, right? So a choice to do it and not do it. By not doing it, you are really hurting yourself. So that's a big mistake as well. And and sort of that fear of not doing it, that is definitely a, a big mistake. And I would say a third one, once again, it's having mindset and really not believing in yourself and having the confidence in yourself and who you are and being able to realize that it is a strength and not a weakness at all. And those things that make you you are the things that people want to know they want to know that person they want to do business with that person they want to be connected to that person so those are like the three things that i i see to be the biggest things that trip people up you know and that's where i come in that's where i help that's where i want to help people overcome these different challenges or fears or things that they're feeling you know feelings of self-doubt which you know we've all gone through i've gone through it it's it's something that's a human we're all humans we go through self-doubt but it's a way of saying, hey, let me overcome that. Let me face it. Let me recognize it for what it is. Give myself permission to feel this way. And then let's go. Let's get going. Let's start rocking. So what are some types of advice that you've given people in more concrete ways? So the first thing I always tell people to do is, honestly, it's a thing my mentor told me from day one is sit and think. People do not sit and think enough in this world. We don't pause enough. And because when you sit and think, these are the things you need to sit and think about. What makes you you? What are you knowledgeable about? What do you love? What do you enjoy doing? What do you enjoy talking about? What are your values? What do you believe in? And if you make a list of all these things, like literally write them out, however you want to write them out, and then that's where you can sit and you can look at that and you can think about it and say, wow, these are the things that make me me. And then you begin to connect the dots. And this is the stuff that makes you you. Another thing that you could do to really level up your personal brand is honestly reach out to five or six people who know you really, really well and ask them what your strongest characteristic is, what your best quality is. And let them give that to you and then guess what and then you're going to reciprocate back and thank them by doing the same back to them you get such valuable data because that's often a very eye-opening thing because we think we know all there is about ourselves that there is to know but then when somebody else goes no this is a great quality you're like oh my gosh like i didn't know that or it's something you just forgot or thought was a weakness and decided not to use it so personal branding is not just about the way you look and the channels where you communicate. It's more about communicating who you are. Yeah, really what it is. It's it's really about like just embracing all the things that make you you and leveraging that. And the channels are a tool. Of course, image is important, but like what is that image? What do you want to be known for is what I always tell people. What do you want to be known for? What do you want people to say about you when you leave the room? And those things and, and images and content and everything that gets produced 
should always align with your values, who you are, what you do. That should be the, the litmus test against, well, what content do I put out? What content do I not put out? Is this in line with me and what I believe in and what I want to communicate? So Chris, I alluded to this earlier, but you do seem to find out about new channels, speaking of channels, <laughs> before anybody else does practically. So you got us on Clubhouse and now there's a secret one that you're working with that we can't talk about because yeah. it's too new. Um, it's too new, yeah. I'm you not can tell us. No. <laughs> safe in here. I can tell you <laughs> off air. <laughs> like, how, how are you just on the internet researching stuff all the time? Like, how do you find out about, and then how do you use that for your clients? I've always been fascinated with it. I love using social media. I love getting involved in things and learning how to use them and how to communicate better. And I do have fun using them. So I get into a lot of conversations with people. And I'm just always learning. But a mentor of mine said very early on, like, hey, if you're going to be doing this personal branding and really coaching people, you have to know what's going on. You have to be able to guide people and talk about these things so that way they can be guided or make a decision if this is good for them. And I said, you know what, that is great. So I do that. I spend time trying to figure out, I try things, I experiment. Is this cool? Is this not cool? Can I use it? But at least I can use it. And then I, I can feel more comfortable recommending it to somebody to maybe try for their business if I've already tried it. And if I recommend it and I haven't tried it, I'll say, well, let's try it together and see how it goes. Let's, let's have fun. Let's experiment together and, and see what we learn from it. So I just love being involved in this stuff and learning how to use it and talking about it and beating it up a little bit too. <laughs> yeah, well, I've been to a few of your presentations and like you really have the handle on like all these things that start, they want the same things. They want followers, they want likes, they want comments, they want, and you tell people how to do that in your presentations. That's so important. Yeah, I break it down to at least the most basic level. You know, I'm not, I, I will say, I don't have millions of followers and subscribers on YouTube or, you know, LinkedIn or TikTok. Like I don't have these like gigantic audience because it's not really my focus is to build this giant audience. My focus is just, deliver messages and experiment and create content, but like aimed at the people I'm connected to, my audience and, and my clients and my relationships. And that's who I focus on. And and if other things grow out of that or if something catches on fire because somebody saw an episode and they reshared it and it, and it increases and amplifies my reach, then great, like that's a good benefit. But at least then I know that that's content, once again, that aligns with who I am and what I'm about rather than just creating something that's, you know, not really me and then catches on fire. And then it's like, well, I'm just not that guy, but I made something because I thought it might be popular. And, you know, it's just so easy to get wrapped up into the algorithms and the likes and shares of these things because that's how they're made. It's it's what they are meant to do because they want to keep us addicted and sucked into it. And I just, I got to say to everybody out there listening, like, don't get wrapped up into that. There's one thing about marketing data and I'm a advocate of data and analyzing because the way you can analyze where you can best spend your marketing budgets and dollars and things like that. Like not saying don't do that, but what I'm saying is, is if you're creating content, don't get so wrapped up into like creating the greatest piece of content in the world and then get like depressed because it didn't get liked or shared. It's that's shouldn't be what it's about. It should be about just totally being yourself and making sure you're communicating the best version of yourself that you want people to connect with. Passage to Profit, The Inventor Show on WOR 710. The voice of New York. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearheart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearheartLaw.com. At Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright for protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law, www.gearheartlaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at GEA. A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W dot com.
Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Hey, what's going on? It is the Mohawk and Real Talk and Living Fully Business Bully, Dave Anderson. And I love Passions to Profit. It's an amazing opportunity for entrepreneurs to put their businesses out there and get real sound advice from two of the best people in the business to help you protect your ideas and furnish your dreams in a way that is going to be spectacular. You have to check out this show. And please, just don't check out one episode. I need you to subscribe right now. Now, go to wherever you listen to podcasts. I don't care if it's iTunes. I don't care if it's Google Play. I need you to subscribe because you need to feed your business needs. I'm telling you, this show is going to change the course of your life. Passage to Profit is it. I love it. Go get it. Listen to it. Woo! Now more with Richard and Elizabeth. Passage to Profit. What a show tonight. It was a little intimidating having someone from The Sopranos on. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was very careful, yeah, very careful with the language I use. And he's a Jersey boy too. So. And he is. <laughs> Kevin, before we go, any final words of wisdom for our audience? I wish I had words of wisdom. To be honest, I wish I had more time spent on this listening to Chris and Delia and Kenya and yourselves. Uh, you guys are remarkable. What a wonderful bunch of people I've had the pleasure to be involved with today and to hear you speak. It was really eye-opening on, on all accounts, and uh, it really was a pleasure being here. And I want to thank you both, Elizabeth and Richard. Thank you. Oh, and thank if you want to watch City on a Hill, you you'll start much. seeing my old mug pop out soon. <laughs> Kenya? Well, we talked about really important things today, all right? The importance of vitamin D levels that are good, right? Personal development and perseverance. So, I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. And so, if you want to find out more about these people or reach them, so Kevin Interdonato, who is a movie star and TV star, and we were just so thrilled to have him today and a really nice guy, too. You can find him on Instagram at the Kevin Intro, or if you go to imdb he's going to be on city on a hill and he also was in bad frank which is a really great indie movie that got a lot of really positive press a true shining star and then kenya gibson talked about power move and kenya is our media maven so she was the one who came up with the concept for this show and she pitched it to me over champagne at the roxy in manhattan <laughs> But three years ago now, I guess. We've been and, going for and, three years ago how, and lots of champagne. I was going to say, how many bottles did it take for you guys to get to this? <laughs> oh, a couple. <laughs> but we've been having a lot of fun doing it. But iHeartMedia, they just bought something else, another media property, right? We did. We just acquired Triton Digital, one of the major digital platforms uh, in the market. So we're working out the logistics for that. So mm -hmm. Kenya can be reached at Kenya Gibson with a P at iHeartMedia.com. But if you want to advertise on the radio anywhere, they have stations all over the place. You know, it's cheaper than TV. Uh, they have a lot of digital marketing efforts that we're using at Gearheart Law, right? Well, we absolutely are. And they have a crack team that is right there on the spot and they've helped our business enormously. So, and then we had Delia Vallejo with E-M-P-O-W-E-R-D-X-L-A-B. EmpowerDXLab.com. If you're concerned about your health, but you don't want to have to go to the doctor, but you'd like to know what some of your vitamin levels are, or many other things are coming on her site. She has a website where you do testing and you send it to a lab and they give you the results. And then we had Chris Vaglio with Rocket Growth Agency. Chris helps you with your personal brand. He helps you grow your business by using and developing your personal brand and finding the right places to put your company so that the right people find you and that you can really grow. And so that's about it for us, folks. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, we really appreciate you as an audience. And before we go, I'd like to thank all the people that make Passage to Profit what it is. Noah Fleischman, our producer, Alicia Morrissey, our program coordinator, and Angela Wolf, our video editor. And don't forget to like us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and sign up for our YouTube channel too. This is Richard and Elizabeth Gerhardt signing off for Passage to Profit on iHeartRadio, WOR710 the voice of New York.